This is Heather White, and you are listening to the Authenticity Addicts Podcast, the place where it is safe to be an addict, because what we're obsessed with is our life's truth. Hello, and welcome back to the Authenticity Addicts Podcast. You're listening to Heather White, and first and foremost, a huge shout out of gratitude. It's surreal in a way that this podcast has come to life. I can't even think of the number of years I sat on the sidelines in that uncomfortable gap of contrast between dreaming of something that I wanted and burning away the resistance that I had to making it happen. Probably first and foremost, I'm sure nobody can relate to this, you know, that kind of perfectionistic tendency. I like to think of myself as a recovering perfectionist, but you know, in so many ways, <laughs> of course, unbeknownst to me, usually until retrospectively, uh, that perfectionistic tendency is somewhere in between me and my dream life. Um, but all that to say, you know what, so incredibly grateful. The feedback that I've had and the people that have listened and sent me texts and comments and shared and thank you, thank you, thank you. Couldn't do without you. And again, without you, there's no me. This is a totally co-creative experience. And so I'm deeply honored and deeply grateful. Um, today I thought, uh, again, just continuing on in the very non-linear fashion of having this conversation about authenticity addiction, this concept that I've kind of coined in my mind and I'm now putting out into the world, this idea that, you know, by nature, us humans, we're, we're addicts, right? We, the way that we're wired, even from a, from a brain perspective, we like to connect neural pathways and go down the same pathway and keep things familiar and comfortable. It's, counterintuitive to our patterns of growth and my thinking was what if we took that idea of us wanting to and having that tendency to get hooked on certain things and we turned that hook towards nothing less than the greatest uncoverings of the truths of the inner dwellings of our beings of our souls um, that entelechy concept that idea that we have inside of us this unique um, unfolding and uh, what if we turned our addictive tendencies and natures towards that? Could we accelerate the process of the unfolding of the great possibilities of our lives, aka our life's truth? And so that's really what this all is. I guess really this is an experiment, <laughs> if I'm thinking about it from that lens, to see, you know, is there a way for us to accelerate this process of, you know, tapping into this unique inner dwelling soul soul call that we all sense within ourselves uh, about this possibility that we have and experience more and more of what our life truly has to offer us uh, in a shorter period of time so I guess that's really you know the question that I'm asking today I've got actually some really um, great inquiries and questions that have come in as a result of the first couple of, of episodes and it's just perfect because this is exactly what I dreamed of happening which is that I'm not sitting here trying to dream up content that's relevant I'm just responding to the queries and questions that you guys have about this concept and the first one I got which I, I think just will allow me to jam and address a variety of different things that I've learned along the way which is a question about you know how do we adjust to new truths and then how does that um, play into the concepts of integrity and loyalty and commitment. 
And it's such a brilliant concept. And the first thing I want to say is I live inside of an idea and I invite you inside of this idea. And it's the, the idea that what's right for you is right for everyone or right for all. It's this idea of benevolence, this idea of the higher order, you know, that there is a path that is of the highest good for all concerned. And even when I'm setting intentions, and I learned this from my first coach, um, always to add this element of this or something better, whatever is the highest, most benevolent outcome for all concerned. And what that essentially is saying is, is acknowledging the fact that there is a place where we're all connected. And within that connection, there is an order to an outcome that is of the highest, most benevolent or good for all. And so when it comes to this idea, like back to the first couple of episodes, when we were talking about authenticity being a moving target, the idea that, you know, what feels authentic today might be the very thing that feels super inauthentic six months from now. And so how do you adjust and how do you adjust within the lens of integrity and and commitment and loyalty? And so it's a really fascinating question. It's in many ways counterintuitive, but I think the bedrock of it is that can you align with the idea that there's a path that is good for all? There's a benevolent path. You know, in other words, just because you have awoken, if you will, to a new truth within yourself. And as a result of that, some things need to change in your life and some adjustments need to be made to align with this new truth. I mean, that in and of itself, I think is integrity because I think what what is non-integral is when we are out of alignment in terms of what we know and believe inside and how we're showing up and what we're doing on the outside. I think true integrity is that idea of knowing on the inside and then behaving on the outside in alignment. And so again, in that perspective, with that perspective, I should say integrity in many ways is, I don't want to say integrity is a moving target, but aligning, continually aligning with authenticity, i.e. being in integrity is a constant adjustment. You know, because you, of course, if you're awakening to new truths, then there's going to be a point where you're going to show up in new ways. You're going to behave in different and new ways. And so, you know, I think staying loyal to an old commitment is way more out of integrity than seeking to align with a benevolent path that would allow you to be in congruency with your new truth while still being able to show up in a way that honors that new truth while accounting for the fact that, hey, there's certainly other people and other things involved in our lives all the time. So, you know, to put this in practical examples, it's like, Going back to one of the stories I shared earlier with you guys, you know, realizing that my spiritual path and more mindful and meditative journey was not in congruency with what I was doing on the outside in terms of operating a very kind of strict business development model. And so that I had to adjust course and speak a new truth and which resulted in me moving away from a business partnership that I'd been very successfully engaged in for a number of years. And so from the one hand, it's like, oh, okay, I made this commitment to being in this business partnership. And so this new truth that I need to adjust to, how do I do that while within integrity and loyal to my commitment? And, you know, first and foremost, my loyalty is to my soul. Now, this is me with the idea that what's right for me is right for everybody. In other words, there is that benevolent path. I've been able to give myself so much permission to move into the new truths. 
right? Because basically it's operating from the idea that me moving away from this business partnership wasn't going to result in my business partner losing in some way. It was coming from the, the bedrock of the concept that what wasn't working for me was probably on some level not working for him. And whether he had conscious awareness of that or not, I still believe that to be true. And so what I was seeking was a benevolent path, a win-win, a place where I could be honest to the new truth unfolding for me. And I could also allow for the possibility that that was also going to be of a higher good for him. And so I think when we come from that perspective, we open ourselves up to the possibilities of many, many, many outcomes far beyond that of, I'm just going to walk away from this commitment that I've been inside of and too bad for you, (laughs) figure it out. Right. I think that there is a much higher level of responsibility that we can take within the field of benevolent outcomes. I think there's a place where we can uncover the new truth, where we can align with it, give ourselves permission to adjust our lives, to want what we want, to shift, to change directions, to make it, uh, you know, a, a course of action change, while also allowing for the path of benevolence to unfold for all right so remember when I was saying that last time you know there's sometimes those people that god love them but you know they they kind of dump all their emotional baggage all over you and then they say just being authentic I think in many cases the authentic path is of a huge uh how can I say this I think the authentic path is a path of high levels of responsibility and what that means is that you have the ability to respond. And I think in many cases, without taking overly, being overly responsible for everybody else, there's a place where you can tune in to the path of higher order and start to orient and navigate both from that path of higher order and towards that path of higher order. So let's talk practicality. So in many cases, I think you can do so much of the work energetically and etherically before often getting into the actual tactical, tangible, um, third dimensional efforts. What I mean by that is in my case, you know, I started to align and, and become aware of the idea that the business partnership that I was inside of was no longer in authentic congruence with who I was. But that didn't mean I picked up the phone that day and said, hi, sorry, I'm out. Bye. Figure it out. Um, I actually did a tremendous amount of work behind the scenes, connecting my higher self to his higher self, doing, you know, starting with a simple uh, writing of my resignation letter that sat in my underwear drawer for six months before I actually was ready. Like both I was ready and also I feel that that the time was right um, for me to have that conversation. I worked through so many of the fears, feelings, uh, emotions, energies that were coming up for me in between the first moments of hearing that inner truth and then the actual moments of taking action. I was able to do a ton of work behind the scenes. So by the time I ever had that conversation, and I'll actually never forget that day because I was almost as shocked as anybody at just the sheer um, acceptance that happened on the other side of that conversation. There wasn't resistance from my business partner. There wasn't a fight. There was no conflict. There was no, there was no, um, pushback. There was no questioning. There was no trying to convince me of anything else. And I really attribute that to the fact that I had done so much work behind the scenes. 
So I think this question about how do I adjust to new truths and then how do I stay loyal and committed are actually need to be unpacked a little bit further. I think the real question is how do I stay loyal and committed to my soul, adjusting to know those new truths in a way that honors and adheres to the most benevolent and highest order for all concerned. You know, another way of saying that is like, how do I stay loyal to my soul while communicating with compassion and grace and allowing for the path of benevolence to unfold in front of me? So it's, again, it's this idea that for me to be authentic and live within the alignment of the new truths, which as I've said many times is a moving target while still not creating a ton of backlash in my world and the world of others. Now, all that being said, hey, let's face it, other people's reactions are actually not your responsibility. But you cleaning up your energy field so that it is neutral, it is open to possibilities, it is aligned with the highest good, both for you and for all, that is your responsibility. You have the ability to respond to that. And so the most crazy outcome of an ironic kind of outcome of that is that because you've done all this cleanup work in your energy what you've actually done is put yourself in a completely different vibration and there they meet you there and so it again when (laughs) this is what's so fascinating so giving yourself the space and time to allow for those what are often like irrational or unconscious fears of how things are going to unfold when you do have those conversations where you're alerting, communicating, informing the people that need to know about the awareness that you've come into with regards to the new truths, by doing that energetic work, you're in a completely different place. So you meet them in a completely different place and all those fears have been cleaned up. And so they actually never happen. But if you if you just dove right into it without doing the energetic and emotional cleanup work along the way to shift those fears, to transcend, if you will, the, uh, the old thoughts that you were in, then chances are that you probably will have those outcomes. You will have the conflict. You will have the um, challenge, etc. And again, that's not for punishment. That's just basically guidance around how and what needs to be cleaned up in your energy. You know, everybody plays their roles perfectly for us. I always like to say Oscar winning performance, you know, people play their roles in our lives absolutely perfectly to help us see what's in the way between who we are and who we have the potential to be. We would never know what is in the way of us expressing the most authentic version of ourselves if other people weren't in our lives. You know, if we were just here by ourselves, we would, I don't think we would be able to move into our most authentic offering in terms of our energy and in terms of our consciousness. Other people are here to help us and we are here to help others. We're all in this big giant play together, playing our roles absolutely perfectly to bring to the surface anything that is not a vibrational match with who we have the capability of being. At least that's how I like to see it. Again, I think the the bottom line is authenticity is a moving target. The quieter you are, the more you can hear. The more you can hear, the more you recognize the new truths as they come to the surface. Then there's the gap between aligning to that new truth and the sort of implementation of what that truth 
new truth means in your life and eventually the communication and correspondence and and conversations that need to happen with the people that need to know I think the the most important thing is to remain loyal to your soul the soul is the place that is deeply connected and rooted to the connection of all things and all beings within that concept is this idea of benevolence Right? So if you're being loyal to your soul, your soul is connected to all souls. On the path of all souls, there is a big benevolent and higher order to all outcomes. Then I don't think there's a place where other people have to lose. That being said, I'm not saying everybody's going to see life through that lens. I'm not saying everybody is aligned with the perspective of this. But that's also not your responsibility. I think your responsibility is to live your life from that bedrock, from that energy field, that your greatest uh, life lives in the land of your most authentic offering. You're constantly listening for what that is and aligning and adjusting as you go in order to live integrally with regards to that knowledge on the inside and how you show up and how you live on the outside. So... That's my cue to your A on the how do I adjust to new truths and how does that align with my integrity and my loyalty and commitments. I hope that I hope that helps. But I did mention something there that I kind of wanted to dive into a little bit further, which is this idea of permission. Uh, more often than not, we actually have an awareness of the authentic truth that we've come into awareness of, but we're lacking the permission and so it's a huge, huge step to give ourselves permission to show up in the way that's aligned with the new truth. I've got an absolutely hilarious example of this. So I've grown up my whole life as an athlete. And so for ever since I was you know, a young child, I've been competing in various athletics. And one of my main sports as a kid was competitive swimming. We did what was called dry land training. And dry land training was this outside cardio and, and strength training, mostly just resistance, body weight resistance training. And that was to help strengthen our bodies for the performance in the pool. And so as far as I can remember, running was always a part of my dry land training. So fast forward to adulthood and here I am and, and I'm, I'm running. Never very well, I might add, but running was always a part of my exercise regime as an adult. And it's hilarious to me now because when I look back on it, I mean, I've, I always hated running. I, uh, my body would hurt, my knee would hurt, my lower back would hurt. Like there was always, I just, I hated it. And um, I was recently in a new relationship with my, uh, with my coach who I've mentioned on here before, Willie Carter. And we had entered into these conversations about permission and authenticity. And a lot of these concepts that here I am talking to you about were very new to me at that time. And I'll never forget, I was out for a run. I'm maybe about, I don't know, maybe about six or seven kilometers into what was going to be a 10k run. And I'm in the middle of the, of a bridge. I hear this inside thought float across my mind and it just very simply says I hate running and I'm sure I've had that thought and I had that thought probably every time I've run for the previous whatever it was 20 years but I'd never heard it like I'd never it had never landed never clearly came to the surface like that and in a very sort of um, reverse Forrest Gump move I just stopped I stopped in the middle of the bridge and it was so funny because her home at the time was about a 10, 15 minute walk from where I stopped running. And I stopped running, just honoring the thought, I hate running, and I did. And in that moment, that was the very first time I gave myself permission, not just to have the thought, but to hear it, and then furthermore, to act on it. 
despite all the bullshit story that was on top of that about why I had to run, which when I really unpacked it, it was absolutely crap. Not, none about, nothing about, I did not have to run. Haven't run since. Have never, never ran a day since that day. (laughs) And that was probably, it's nearly a decade ago. I walk to her house, I knock on the door and she comes to the door and I said, I quit running. And she kind of laughed like, and we've talked about this since and she thought, what's going on? Like she didn't think I was serious, but I was. And it was, it was such a visceral experience of this idea of permission. As I said, I probably had that thought every run I'd ever been on. I never gave myself permission to even hear the thought. I certainly never gave myself permission to act on the thought. And yet it was a moment of absolute liberation, which I think is the clue that you're on the authentic path. When you have that feeling of whether it's relief, liberation, expansion, um, any, any of those, you know, those words are all describing, a, I think, a feeling that we can all relate to. That's a clue. You're going in the right direction. When you have that feeling of like, oh, I don't want to give it up. There's way more unpacking that probably needs to be done there. But when you have that feeling of just like, you just dropped a 50 pound cement backpack and you don't have to pick it up again. When you have that feeling, I think, you know, you're on the right track. And so, you know, again, permission is actually quite simple, not to be mistaken for easy, but I think it is a huge factor as it relates to authenticity, right? Because usually we have a whole lot of narrative and story about why we have to keep going in a certain way, why we have to stay, you know, committed to our consistency versus being committed to our authenticity. And so I think the the real uh, sort of TSN turning point can be a simple permission slip. I give myself permission to take action in the direction of my authentic knowing. And I know that sounds simple, uh, and it is simple, and I know it's not to be mistaken at all for ease, although it can also be easy. I, I mean, it was... It was so easy to quit running. It's shocking to me how easy it was. I just stopped and I never ran again. <laughs> and I I don't miss it. I don't ever wish I couldn't run. In fact, in many cases, um, in a slightly different way, I had a similar experience when I stopped drinking alcohol. That's nearly three years ago as well. It'll be three years in December of this year. The difference there was instead of not being aware. So with the running, I, I honestly cannot think of having any conscious awareness of that I hate running thought. I think I I was always in pain. I was always kind of, but it was just, I was, I think I, what thought I was more attuned to was just that sort of no pain, no gain. You know, this is that kind of energy. I don't ever remember up until that day on the bridge, really ever hearing the thought of I hate running. In, in contrast, when it came to alcohol, I probably had a good two year long conversation with myself between I can't even say it was I hate alcohol, but it was just the knowing that alcohol and I just one plus one did not equal 11 in this case. Um, And despite the fact that, you know, I didn't have, you know, any of the quote unquote sort of problems or challenges that um, catalyzed or sort of, um, you know, I don't know how to say, but like, I didn't have a problem per se with alcohol that was going to sort of thrust me into this place of, of moving away from having it in my life. I was in a very gray area. Um, but I just knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew in a very authentic way that alcohol and I didn't go together. And yet it was probably two years of knowing that before I finally got to the permission slip of I'm going to move away from this. 
And, and in that case, uh, again, it was so easy. It kind of, it's shocking to me now when I look back on these experiences and I think, my God, it was so easy. And yet the amount of time I, I spent in pain, which brings me the last thing I'm going to just kind of leave you with today, because I, as, I, as you know, I could go on and on. Um, and I will coming up episode uh, three, I'll be going on and on more. But for now, I'll leave you with this thought, which is the shift from what I call the authoritarian to the authentic. I, I don't know about you, but inside of me, if I'm not paying too close of attention, is a real authoritarian. Somebody that, again, not no judgment, but is very attached to the way things are. And so they, that part of me, that aspect, uh, which lives, you know, deep in the lodges of my subconscious, is very rule oriented, um, very discipline oriented, and granted has gotten me to some amazing places in my life because of that. But the shift between her and the voice of authenticity, which leads to the feeling of liberation and freedom and expansion is really a powerful concept. So just something to plant with you there. You know, where is the authoritarian driving the bus? And where could you transition to that authentic expansion by way of a permission slip? And what could you give yourself permission to either quit or to let go of or to say no to that would make more room for the authentic truth to be actualized in your life? And with that, I think I'll wrap it up for today. So thanks again for listening. The Authenticity Addicts Podcast, the place where it's safe because the mission we're on is to pursue our lives truth nothing less than the greatest possibility unfolding thanks for listening